I'm beginning this sermon series this morning, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And so, yeah, there's that little song, which is kind of cool. I like it. Um, But really, this is about not worrying. And so things are going to come up that are going to cause us to worry, that are going to cause us to be anxious, that are going to cause us to want to be stressful. And the Bible commands us to not worry, to not be anxious, to not be stressed. And so that's good, like, okay, Jesus, and then how do we do that, right? And so this is what we endeavor to look at over the next uh, few weeks. Don't worry, be happy. It's a sermon series. We're going to be here for a few weeks talking about this. Scripture has a lot to say, and it has a lot to say about what we can do to avoid being stressed. And so let's take a look at that this morning. Therefore, I say to you, Matthew 6, Jesus says, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not much more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add but one cubit to his stature. And so we're going to read here in Matthew 6 from 25, where we began all the way through 34. The whole thing talks about not worrying. Uh, But three times within this portion of text, Jesus commands us to not worry. In a parallel verse in Luke 12, 22 through 34, it says, nor have an anxious mind. So anxiety is the same as worry. And so Jesus puts out three different points here in this first paragraph about why and how we should not worry. And so the first point he makes is that life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. And so does this mean that we shouldn't wear clothes or that we don't need to eat? No, that's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is that too many times we bring the focus of our life onto things that are not as important as they really are. And so too often we get worried about things that really in the long run won't make a big difference. We worry about the food that we eat. We wind up having enough food to eat, and we worried for no reason. We worry about the clothes that we might wear, and on and on and on, and then we wind up having clothes anyways, and then we worried for no reason, and we wasted all of that time in worry. When we're focused on the wrong things, we're bound to worry. And sometimes our focus can get off, and we can make things seem more important than they really are. How many of us have worried over something and then it never even came to pass? Or how many times have we worried over something and it wound up really not being that big of a deal in the end? Secondly, uh, Jesus goes on to say that God cares for the birds of the air. How much more does he care for you? And so the second point here that Jesus is making is God cares for you. God knows you. The Bible tells us that he knows what we need before we even ask. Do we believe it? Do we believe that God cares for us? We sang that song. I don't remember the words. I'm not going to be able to remember the words, but man, that was a good song. Good grace. If I could remember what the, the, the thing was, I'd, I'd say it to you, but I don't. But it, it talks about God, God loving you, and that's the cure. God really cares for you. He cares for the birds of the air. You think he cares for you less? No. He takes care of the birds of the air. He's going to take care of you. Number, uh, thirdly, here in this paragraph, he, he talks about uh, 
What good is worrying going to do? Who of you by worrying can add but one moment to their lives, NLT says, or one hour to your life, the Amplified says. And so what do we think that worry is going to accomplish for us? Do we believe that worry is going to make our life longer or better? Or what do we believe that worry is going to do? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a thinker, and so I tend to think things through. And so I, if I begin to worry or if I see somebody worrying, I'm like, well, what's that going to accomplish for me? And so I know what the Bible says, and the Bible's true. The Bible says, what do you think by worrying that you're going to add any time to your life? You're not. And so this is what Corey Ten Boom said. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. I worded it a little bit different. I put it this way. Worry doesn't fix tomorrow's problems. It robs today of its joy. We can worry all we want and never see a problem fixed. But we'll steal, tomorrow's, we'll steal today's joy worrying about what might happen tomorrow. Let's keep going here. Matthew 28 through 30, uh, 6, 28 through 30, it says, So why do you worry about co- clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And so Jesus here ties worry to a lack of faith. So basically, he's saying, if you're worrying, you don't have faith. If you're worrying, you need more faith. If you're worrying, you've got to increase your faith. So if you've been given to worry, go back and watch the last five weeks. We talked about faith. I always like uh, queuing up previous sermon series. Do we really trust God? Do we really trust God? Do we have faith in God? Do we believe that God is for us? Do we believe that God wants to pour out that blessing upon us? Do we believe that God wants to put his favor upon us? Do we believe the word? Do we believe what it says? Romans 8, 28. God will bring all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Do we believe that? I don't know what's going to happen, but you know what I know? I know that God can take any situation and he can turn it together for good. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what it looks like when it happens, but I believe it. Do we believe Philippians 1-2? Paul wrote and said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do we believe this verse? Do we live this verse? Do we live like we believe this verse? Romans 8.28. Nope, that's not it. Romans 14.8. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. <laughs> These are some scriptures that we can hang our hat on. And so, you know, this statement is the entire basis for my faith regarding COVID-19 when it first came out. So the faith that I have is that I'm not going to get this. I believe that God, I'm just not going to get it. That's what I believe. But what I said, if you remember, the first week when we first started talking about this, when it first rolled around, I said, I'm not going to get this. I believe that I'm not going to get this. And then I said, but if I do get this, I'm not going to have to go to the hospital. 
And if I do go to, have to go to the hospital, I'm not going to have to be intubated. And if I do have to be intubated, I'm not going to die. And if I do die, then it, praise God. And I'm embracing the verse here, Romans 14, 8. If we live, we are the Lord's. If we die, we are the Lord's. Whether I live or whether I die, I'm the Lord. Paul says in Philippians, I would much rather go and be with God. It's far better for me to depart. Pastor Tom says, uh, I've got more glass in the, in the bottom than I got in the top. Listen, I don't know how much, how much sand I've got in the glass. I think I just messed that whole thing up. I don't know how much is in the top, bottom. I don't know. I don't know when my last day is going to be, but I know that when it comes my time to go, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to trust the word, and I'm going to enter into glory, and I'm going to love it. Yeah. Now, I say all that to say that the, I, I, my faith rests in the fact that I'm not getting COVID, but I have this contingency plan. If I get it, then this. And then if I get that, and then that. And then this, and then that. And so this is the way my mind thinks. And it, I find that it's a very stress-relieving way to live. As I was sitting on my patio this week and I was praying, uh, I was noticing my oak tree. You know, it's, it's um, week after Memorial Day, so everything's leafed out. Oak trees leaf out a little bit late. But my oak tree is now leafing out fully. Uh, the flowers fell off last week, so we get to open our pool this week. And so as I'm looking at the tree now in near full leaf, I'm looking at it and there's, there's one branch and it's a big branch and it goes off the north side and it's, it's significant. If, you, if you've been to my house, I've got this oak tree that's positioned off the northwest corner of my house and it protects us from the setting sun and it's just positioned perfectly and the, the, uh, the pool's not in the shade, but the patio's shaded over there. It's just perfect. You know, it's just great. Uh, the only problem is it does drop these flowers, and we have to wait an extra week to, to open our pool. And it does drop sticks on the, on the patio, and it does drop acorns, and those aren't. So there's a couple problems. And so anyways, there's, it's a perfect tree. It's, so if you were to talk, okay, hold up. So from a botanical standpoint, most of you know that I was in a um, horticultural business before this. From a horticultural standpoint, a pin oak is a perfect uh, variety. Like it's like a 95% variety. The structure of the tree is park-like. It's a 95% uh, structure. It's perfect structure. So when I, when I say it's a perfect tree, I'm like, man, this tree is like, it's park quality. I mean, this is beautiful. This is what they would take a picture of and put in a magazine. Like, this is a pin oak. Wow. And so that's what I mean when I say it's a great tree. And so there's this one dead branch not leafing out. And so I'm looking at the branch and I'm thinking, I know that there is a disease out there called oak dieback disease. And as a matter of fact, you're not supposed to trim your oak trees between um, April and October so that they don't get oak dieback. And so I'm thinking that this is what it is. And so I sit down and I start to Google and I'm looking and I'm, I'm, I'm researching and I'm doing all this. And, you know, I'm a plant guy, so I get it. And I keep coming up short. Nope, 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 nope. Not, not seeing it, not seeing it, not seeing it. And so as I sit there, after I've done my research, I begin to think about it a little bit and I begin to pray. And I'm looking and you know, I see one, I see two, I see three fairly significant dead branches, and I'm like, this isn't looking good. And so immediately, I come up with a contingency plan. This is my contingency thinking. If the tree dies, it's big, it's significant, it kind of is going to, it's close to the house. It's not hanging over the house, but it's close. And if it were to die, I'd have to have it taken down so it didn't hit the house. It's also close to the patio. I wouldn't ha want to have a dead tree over the patio because it's going to continue to drop the dead limbs. And so the tree would have to be taken down. So I'm looking at that. And then, you know, it provides just the perfect amount of shade. So now what are we going to do? And so I look to the left and I see this sugar maple, which is like a 98 variety. 
And it's about 20 feet tall, and it's got a trunk like that, and the oak tree is like this. The oak tree is real big. But it's big, you know, it's pretty good size. And I think, I'm thinking to myself as I'm sitting there, I'm like, that sugar maple is probably just about as big of a tree as I could move by myself. And so I come up with this contingency plan that if the oak tree dies, I'm going to dig up that sugar maple and I'm going to put it where the oak tree was. And I'm not going to have acorns dropping on my patio anymore because sugar maples don't have oak trees. They've got those flat propellers and those would be much easier to walk on your bare feet. And they're not going to drop sticks the way that the oak tree drops sticks because they just don't. And they're not going to have those stupid yellow flowers that hang and fall into my pool real late. And so I'm like, hey, this could be a good thing. Maybe my oak tree will die. And then I'm like, well, I really don't want my oak tree to die. And so then I come, hold on, not done yet. The story's not done yet. So then I'm looking at the oak tree and I'm like, you know what? God, cause those branches to leaf back out. Why not? (laughs) Why not? Jesus prayed for the tree to be, die, to, to be killed, and it died. He cursed the tree, and it died. Why can't I bless the tree and have it leaf out? Come on. Greater works. Is this the greater works? And so you know what? Uh, just yesterday, I was sit, uh, sitting on the patio, and I'm like, I think that, le- that branch is leafing out. Hey, I'll pray over your trees. I've got faith. Uh So this is the way that I think. This is the way that I think. And so, biblically, you know, Jonathan did this. When Jonathan and his armor bearer went out, he's like, hey, man, what's the plan? The plan is we're going to go over there to the mountain, and if they call us up, we'll go up, and if they say we'll be down, we wait. That's the plan. I'm like, I don't, I don't, it's a contingency, sort of. He's like, well, we'll just go out, and we'll see what happens. But then he says this, but here's the faith. The faith is who knows that God may save by many or by few. Right? But there's faith mixed in there. And so where's my faith? My faith is, my faith is in the oak tree is going to leaf back out. I prayed on Wednesday, and it seems to have opened up even by yesterday. And so I'm praying, God, open up the rest of those leaves. Come on. Come on. Put your faith out there. Have a contingency, have a contingency plan. Know what's going to happen when something happens. What happens if you get corona? What happens if rioters show up on your street? What's the plan? Have a plan. Pray in faith. Have a plan. Don't worry. Matthew 6, 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, for, or what shall we wear? For all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Come on, God knows your need. God knows what you need even before you ask. Do you believe it? That's what Scripture says. Do we believe the Scriptures? And so what are we worrying for? If we cast our cares upon God, he's going to answer us. Do we believe it? Do we believe that God wants to give us what we need? God wants to give us his best, the best for our life. Matthew 6, 33 through 34, but seek first the kingdom of God. And so here's really the cure. Right? He talked about worry. He talked about different aspects of worry. Jesus talked about the fact that worry is a lack of faith. He talked about don't worry because you know, God cares for you. He don't worry because this. Don't worry because that. Don't worry because... And here's the answer. He says, but instead of worrying, right? I'm adding that, but instead of worrying, but instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Everything you've been worrying about will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Seek first the kingdom of God. And so when we seek first the kingdom of God, we'll not worry. When we put things in, per, in proper perspective, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, peace, and joy. Are we seeking righteousness, peace, and joy? As we seek the kingdom, how do we, get to, how do we seek the kingdom? We seek the king. And he tells us all about the kingdom. Jesus, for 40 days, told his disciples, taught his disciples about the kingdom. Throughout the, throughout the New Testament, Jesus teaches about the kingdom. We need to seek first the kingdom of God. And when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and God's righteousness, what does that mean? Do the right thing. What's the right thing? Do that. You know, someone once said that it, it's hard to, to live and follow all the commands of God. And I disagree. I completely disagree. I think it's harder to not follow the commands of God. How hard is it to tell the truth? It's not hard at all. I know what happened. That's the truth. If you start telling lies, now you have to remember what lie you told to everybody. Man, I ain't got space in my mind for that kind of stuff. I don't know how people do that. That seems very difficult to me. Listen, I know that when I live righteously according to God, he blesses my steps. He blesses where we go. He blesses everything that I do. Everything that my hand gets put to prospers because the Lord is with me. And when I choose not to obey the Lord, man, I've reaped the consequences in the past. I don't ever want to do that again. That was a hard few years. That was a hard few years in my life back, I don't know how many years ago. I want to obey his righteousness. I want to do what he's commanding me to do because that's where there's no stress. That's where there's, there's, there's righteousness, peace, and joy. That's where peace and joy come in. That's where there's no worry because God's upon us. God's for us. Do the right thing. I want to end with this verse. It says, receive, this is Romans 14, 1 through 3. It says, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let him who eats, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. I, I think I messed that up. And, but it's there, you guys can read it or go back and read it. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. <laughs> For God has received him. And so here's the, here's the import of the, of the verse, okay? Let's just set that aside. I should have picked NLT. It's easier to read. Let's just set that aside and say this, right? You have one person that's eating meat. Then you have another person that's, or they're eating anything, right? They'll eat meat and, and shellfish and all those Old Testament foods that you're not supposed to eat. Eat it all. Then you have somebody else that's eating vegetables only, right? And so what the Bible says is that the weaker person is the person who has to eat vegetables only. The person who's weaker in faith has to eat vegetables only, which blows my mind, right? I get it. I, I think I understand it now, thinking about it for a few years. Uh, when I first read that, I'm like, wait, I don't, how does that work? But okay, so whether I choose to eat everything or whether I choose to just eat vegetables, what the, what the Bible is telling us here is, listen, don't judge one another. Don't put one another down for the fact that you want to eat meat or whether you want to eat only vegetables or whether you want to eat anything or whether, what it is, whatever it is. And so we need to relearn this in our society today. Listen, if you choose to wear a mask or you choose not to wear a mask, we need to not be aggravated with one another. Now listen, when we come back to church, you're going to have to wear a mask from your car to your seat. 
All right, that's the rules that, that, that the CDC guidelines, this is what we're gonna do. It's all gonna be spelled out in an email, so don't get nervous. You're only gonna have to wear it for like two or three minutes. But listen, if you see somebody and they're not being perfect with it, or you know, I don't know, I mean, I've, I put on the mask, I don't know, if somebody says you're not supposed to touch it at all, I adjust it because it keeps slipping on me sometimes, maybe I'm not doing it right, I don't, it, but we don't need to get bent out of shape about one another. Whether, whether you eat meat or whether you eat vegetables, don't pick on the other person, whether you choose to say this or whether you choose to say that. Listen, you know, I know this. I know I've been following this thing from the beginning, and it changes day by day. Every hour, it's changing. Every hour, I'm trying to keep up. Uh, the who just put out, nobody should be wearing a mask. I don't know what to think anymore. We're going to do our best. You, <laughs> I have to stop. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. I have to stop. I could, I could really get into some trouble. I don't want to do that. So listen, here's my point in saying this and sharing this verse. When we come back, if somebody's not wearing the mask perfectly, don't call them out. If somebody decides that they don't want to hug or they don't want to have a handshake, you know, I mean, we're not going to be doing that, but don't pressure people to do it. You know, let's not pressure one another into things that we're not comfortable with. Let's be safe. You know, I've read plenty of stories, and I've read a lot of stories where churches got together and continued to meet, and 60 people got the disease and two died. How bad would I feel if I was the one uh, pushing for handshakes and hugs and no masks, and then someone in, in the church died? I don't want that. We're going to be as careful as possible. This virus is very real. I don't think it's around here anymore. I mean, there's, there's not been very many cases in Rensselaer County but we're still going to be as careful as possible. You gotta understand, we're going from our social distance group, which is 10, maybe a couple more, and we're gonna be expanding that. There's gonna be 70, 80 people here on church. And so you, you, we're going to be expanding the people that we're seeing, so let's be safe about it. And let's really you know, keep this thing from expanding, amen? amen. That's all I have to say about that. Except, when we begin to cast the way that we want to live upon others, it creates stress in our life. And that's my whole reason for bringing this verse up today. See, Paul here says, if somebody wants to eat meat or if somebody wants to eat vegetables, let them do it. Why are you trying to change the way that they're thinking? And so the same, same thing kind of applies. You know, the more that you want to get everybody in a row and everybody in a line and tell everybody how to do everything, it comes back to people who have control issues, the more you want to tell everybody how to do everything, the more stress you're going to have in your life. Stress will kill you. You know what was interesting? The, the highest comorbidity with the coronavirus, COVID, is hypertension. The highest comorbidity, uh, somebody that died had something else that was not good for them. It's, the highest one was uh, hypertension. It was like double the closest next one. And COPD was like number six or seven, which I would have thought would have been higher. Enough about that. Don't stress. Don't cast. Don't project your decisions onto other people's lives. Matthew 6.33, go home with this verse today. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. I'm going to say it one more time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Listen, when we, when we seek first God's kingdom, he'll take care of every other need we have. This is a verse that when I first read my Bible, when I first got my Bible, when I first got saved, I got, I got this Bible. It was a red King James, and I started reading. And somebody recommended that I start reading from John, but my name's Matthew, so I started in Matthew. <laughs> Makes sense. So when I got to Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, I'm like, man, this is good stuff. And I read this verse. I remember reading this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. And this verse became a verse that I camped on. It became one of those verses that you just camp on. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. I'm going to seek first his righteousness. I'm going to seek to follow God in everything that I do. Camp on this verse. Take home this verse today. Listen, if you're here today and you're listening to me go on and on about seeking first the kingdom of God and you've never sought the kingdom, you've never uh, sought to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. See, years ago, I lived my life and I went to church, but I didn't know God. I never read my Bible. And so one day, uh, my wife invited me to church and said, hey, listen, you should come. And the pastor got up and he spoke and he said, hey, listen, you know, you can know Jesus. And I was like, okay, cool. I want to do that. And so if that's you today, I just want to invite you to, to say this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I pray that you forgive me of my sins. Come and live inside my heart and help me to live for you all of the days of my life. God, give me strength and give me wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, uh, send me a, a message, uh, info at info at redeeminglovechurch.org. Love to connect with you. Love to give you uh, just an email back with some e uh, quick and easy next steps that you can take in following Christ. And so as we end today, uh, let's just get ready to receive uh, the offering this morning. And I just want to, again, I want to pray a blessing upon you. And so there's three ways that you can give here at Redeeming Love. You can give via the app. We have an app. You can give via the website. If you go to our website, redeeminglovechurch.org, uh, you can go to the website and click on the Give tab. Uh, quick and easy to fill that out. And then you can also mail in your offering to uh, Redeeming Love Church, 42 Woodward Avenue, Troy, New York, 12180. And so any of those ways will work. But I want to pray, pray just a blessing upon you this morning. We sang that, bless, that song, The Blessing. And I just want to pray the blessing of God upon you. You guys have been so generous uh, throughout this whole time while we've been in, in this uh, online-only service. And we've been able to help uh, a few people where they've needed it. We've been able to, to sow into some ministries that are helping the less fortunate throughout the community. And so I just want to pray the blessing of God upon you. Father, we thank you for every uh, man, woman, and child, every boy and girl, every giver this morning. And God, we pray your blessing be upon them and upon their family and upon their children and upon their children's children, Lord. God, we pray the blessing of God to flow this morning. God, that you would reach, that you would touch, that you would heal God, I pray for healing right now in Jesus' name, physical healing to flow right now in Jesus' name. God, we pray for, for racial healing right now in Jesus' name. 
God, we pray that you would open our eyes and, and help us to see what it is that, that we can do and how it is that we can help others, God. God, we pray that you would just uh, give us strength, Lord. Give us strength. God, I pray your blessing upon every person this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.